Hello, stargazers. Welcome to Seventh House Astrology, where I take a topic that is either astrological or a topic related to relationships and romance. I investigate under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me for today. So before I get to our topic for this week, I had to not only share some good news, but also I do stand, um, I was just corrected as of this morning on Sunday morning when it came to one of my episodes. So starting with um, being corrected. So uh, with the attachment styles episode, particularly on the avoidant attachment styles, I did cover Elon Musk's chart because um, in seeing his pattern of relations, both with Twitter and SpaceX, as well as with Tesla, um, I actually kind of noted that he seemed like an avoidant type and I wanted to explore that with his chart. I did uh, mention the disclaimer that I do not know a lot about Elon Musk's personal life. Just very little small tidbits here and there. And that I just kind of focused on his chart. But one thing I wanted to correct because I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I think when it came down to the relationship with his father, which I read in his chart as being a relationship that he admired, like he admired his dad. Um, as of Sunday morning, which had a segment on Elon Musk this morning, I stand corrected in the regard that he did not. That actually, um, I think there was an instance in South Africa where he was growing up, where apparently his face got smashed on the school steps by a bully, and his father took the side of the bully and like emotionally as well as physically abused him as a child. So I just wanted to stand corrected. Um, maybe with Elon Musk, he did not really revere his father. Actually, I would imagine not. I would not revere a parental figure who put me through hell. I would not revere anybody who had put me through hell for that matter. So I first off want to say um, I am very sorry to hear that with Elon Musk. You know, even though he's not my most favorite person in the whole wide world, that is a horrible circumstance to undergo. Um, those sort of circumstances, however, do heighten an avoidant relationship. And so I kind of now understand why he would be avoidant. However, also as um, speaking from one avoidant to another, I'm also an avoidant type of personality as well. Sometimes when we push people away, we also make the same mistakes as our parents have, whether we want to realize that or not. So with Elon Musk, the one thing that I would just advise him to do, maybe revamp power structures um, and really kind of refocus power structures um, as they stand and maybe not be so brutal. I think the, you know, Pluto, I think it was like, I think it was like Trined or Sextile, his son, but either way with that sense of power, um, you know, obviously Pluto can indicate brutality as well as a sense of knowing who's boss. So maybe just transforming a sense of power um, within his establishments. But I wanted to correct that because um, I found that to be a pretty serious thing. And I just wanted to make sure I'm imparting the right information um, from here on out. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I love reading Charts Blind. I'm, I'm kind of thinking in the future, I might have to think about this one, but um, kind of thinking in the future, I might have to do like a little bit of research on someone before I dive in, or maybe it's like I find this aspect and then do a little research on that person to see what might be true in that regard. But I'm glad to correct the record as of right now. Okay, getting on to the good news. So... Last week, I had covered how Mercury Retrograde was stealing the show from the Sun in Virgo. Well, come the 14th of this month, Mercury Retrograde will no longer be. Mercury will go to shadow phase. So this will not only be a good time as to what we have learned or what we have learned from our experiences uh, from Mercury Retrograde, 
but also uh, the effects of mercury retrograde should lessen uh, considerably. I usually see like from retrograde to shadow that there's a, a huge, huge um, you know, improvement. It might not be completely, not everything might not be completely gone. We still may have technological issues. We still may have chips on the shoulder, but they won't be as pronounced or profound as it has been. My goodness, this last month, goodness gracious. So that's a good, bit of good news. That's, that's something we should kind of, you know, celebrate a little bit. A little bit of bad news, unfortunately, Jupiter is now retrograde. So we're still dealing with the retrograde parade. But I think, you know, not having personal planets in retrograde might help us to actually experience the good aspects of Jupiter retrograde and also the retrograde motion of all the outer planets, you know, the profound lessons we're supposed to learn from the outer planets um, if you'd like to know more about Jupiter retrograde, check out my my episode on that. It covers it more in detail. And uh, yeah, definitely, I would just say, you know, definitely try focusing on expanding your inner realm as much as possible this time. So getting to, uh, speaking of expanding our inner realm, so this uh, topic was actually inspired by Sunday morning again. It's my, it's kind of like my ritual. I wake up on Sundays, I t- turn on Sunday morning, and I slowly roll out of bed. It's, it's just a, it's just been a tried and true ritual since I was in my 20s. But last week, uh, there was an episode on A Nation Divided, which I thought was a nice episode to be had. It was still upbeat, as Sunday morning is always, the segments were always upbeat. Um, but it did cover, how exactly we are divided in different ways in our nation. And it was a nice, it was a nice addition of Sunday morning in the regard that caused me to think about how to be neutral and, you know, how to maintain that balance. But I thought for this week, it would be important to cover the astrology of enemies since in a nation divided, we do claim enemies quite often And I think also on top of that, you know, I've been, I'm going to be honest with you, I've been facing enemies myself and the overall question, how do I handle these guys constructively? How do I handle an enemy without having to gain revenge? How do I handle an enemy without having to do something horrific or something that could really mar my karma or break my karma for that matter? And, um, I, I just feel like it, it, you know, it it would be nice to kind of turn to astrology and maybe get some answers. We might not get the whole answer, um, of it, but definitely, um, what I learned from this week, there are some answers that are very profound that astrology offers to us. And as Chris Brennan has always said, um, even in the most pronounced and the most profound of, um, astrological topics, we always go back to basics. And this week I kind of felt like I went back to basics with um, the astrology of enemies. I was reminded uh, a couple of houses that actually deal with enemies and that I didn't really understand in astrology 101. Now I understand them better. And I understand the planets that also associate with it a little bit better. So hopefully this will be very enlightening for you guys as well. But let's go ahead and dive in. So when it comes to the astrology of enemies, two things that we have to know, or actually one thing that we have to know, there are two types of enemies when it comes to astrology. There are active enemies, and then there are secret enemies in astrology. So the difference between active enemies, active enemies, at least you know where you stand with the person. You and or the person actively have exposed animosity. You have actively divided yourselves away from each other. And you kind of know that this person is an enemy. Secret enemies, on the other hand, are somebody who they'll smile to your face. But then, like, say, at work, 
say it's a coworker that you've been agreeable with, they'll smile to your face, but then they're plotting behind your back and getting the next, that next promotion that you had your eye on and that you've been working super hard the last couple of months to get. Well, somehow they know how to wheedle the system to where they get it far sooner as well as steal it away from you uh, far faster. So that to me is a secret enemy. Another way that I kind of differentiate from it is open enemies are usually the enemies that we've had in middle and high school, where it's like, you know, middle and high schoolers are known for saying to somebody, it's like, gee, I just don't like you. And they act very animus and they kind of divide themselves away from someone. That to me is a great example of an open enemy versus a tu brute. Uh, Caesar's trust with Brutus. Well, Caesar trusted Brutus as one of his advisors. And Brutus, in turn, turned around and literally, you know, you want to talk about the figurative stab in the back, literally stab Caesar right in the back. That, to me, is an example of a secret enemy. Because I think with Brutus, he was smiling to Caesar the whole entire time and kind of acting like, He was very loyal to Caesar and, you know, kind of placated his fears about people turning against him. But yet at the same time, he was part of the individuals who were turning against him, you know, part of the court as well as some of the Roman senators who were turning against him as well. So I, like I said, I see that as secret enemy territory. Either way, stargazers, um, you know, as much as I'm a Leo, with a moon in in Libra to masculine signs. I really like, um, I mean, I would say it's best to not have any enemies at all. Of course. I mean, it's, it's great to have friends rather than enemies, but if I were to pick which sort of enemies I would have personally, I think open enemies are a little bit better because at least you know where you stand with that person. But also I think with open enemies, you're more likely to, repair situations far more, or you're more likely to be able to make decisions to where you can repair the situations instead of furthering the distance between you. I think secret enemies are the worst thing to have because A, you don't know when this person's going to strike or if they're going to strike and how they would. B, it's a complete heartache and hardship, you know, because this person has gone behind your back. And see, it's just that person could have used, I mean, if they're going to be conniving and calculative or, you know, calculating, conniving, manipulative, I mean, they might as well should kind of use those qualities for a better aim than trying to ruin somebody else um, in the process. I think they could use, if they could turn the manipulation, the conniving into something positive, Man, I, I would say that these individuals would be a, a better source for this world, a better source of good for this world, as opposed to evil. So um, that's kind of my opinion between the two and how I differentiate between the two. But I will also later on this episode cover two enemies, one active, one secret from my past and also from my current experience to kind of show what's going on between the two charts and why this person, how this person was a secret enemy versus how this person was an active enemy. So definitely stay tuned. There's more wonderful stuff to come. So what does active and secret enemies look like in the synastry chart? I'm glad you asked. So starting with active enemies, active enemies usually the chart looks like someone has their ascendant or usually the person who you're associating with, they have their ascendant or they might have the transits of uh, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto floating right outside your seventh house. Now, I kind of found this to be ironic because we all think of the seventh house. We all look at the seventh house in um, synastry astrology as that of marriage and as that of relationships and good friendships. Also, the seventh house is ruled by Libra. When we think of Libra, we think of someone who's balanced, who kind of goes the flow, keeps the peace, keeps harmony, and not with active enemies. 
However, um, I do have to say, you know, growing up with two Librans and actually having a boss as a third Libran in my life, I've had a lot of Librans in my life. But one thing that happens when it comes to Libra, the shadow side of their sign. And yes, they do. They have a shadow side. But uh, the shadow side is usually when they feel um, they, they've had enough with somebody. Sometimes they don't always come out and flat out say it. They don't just say, you know, I've had enough of you. You know, um, you're, you're violating my boundaries. Please give me some space. I need some time alone. Instead, they kind of like kind of act like a martyr and they kind of stay silent and the person has no idea what they're thinking. The person has no idea how they're feeling. They're not really relating or giving, dropping any hints as to that. There have been some Librans that I've associated with. Um, a former employer comes to mind where it was almost as though she wanted me to read her mind when it came to the tension. And um, sometimes I feel like that is a common cause with Libra. They don't want to tip the scales. They don't want to disturb the peace but they don't really necessarily come out with it sometimes. Sometimes it takes up to breaking point before they actually say something. And I feel like with Librans, they can be far more honest and come out from the get-go. But I feel like with Libra, that's where they can have open enemies. When they act very passive-aggressively in their fed-up mode, uh, when they start acting like martyrs, that's where they're kind of bringing on or they're kind of bringing about enemies, you know, breaking trust, breaking bonds um, in their shadow self. So in some ways I can kind of see it in some ways it, it is kind of an irony, but the seventh house is the usual place where open enemies occur. But as I said earlier, if you have somebody who is like an instantaneous BFF and um, usually Usually what's happening too, because the seventh house is also the place where we, it, uh, we actually attract people who are the opposite of us. So, um, you know, for example, or you, we tend to um, also be attracted to people who have the opposite qualities of us. Like, for example, my seventh house is an Aquarius. I usually attract a lot of people who struggle with independence I'm very independent in my life. They struggle. They're very needy. They need a lot of attention. And they usually display that in very unsavory ways. But usually with open enemies, they're just the opposite of you, which I kind of th find to be interesting. They usually display the opposite traits mainly because that seventh house connection. It's, uh, you know, basically an opposition to your um, ascendant and your first house. Um, but usually if somebody's ascendant is floating outside that seventh house, beware, beware. That indicates that person is going to become an open enemy at some point. They're probably trying to befriend you to try to see where your weaknesses are, and then they strike. Um, so like I said, beware. Even though it's, I find it's preferable to have an open enemy, still beware. You know, it's um, sometimes it's not pretty when, you know, you might say like have a friend who suddenly becomes an open enemy. Um, and I've had a lot of situations like this. It's not fun to be in the in their fires, so to speak, as they're taking you down as well. Ironically, as well, the planet that is actually ruling the seventh house. Um, is the plant that rules Libra. That is uh, Venus. Venus, ironically, is also related to open enemies, which I found to be quite interesting. Because, you know, again, in synastry, we look at Venus as being like a good relationship, like a good, solid, sound relationship. But what usually is happening within the chart is either, again, if you have like harsh planets such as Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto, so the foremost outer planets or the foremost generational planets are floating outside of Venus or even worse, if somebody's ascendant might be hitting your Venus placement, beware, you also have an open enemy in that regard. Usually when it hits Venus, um, you can have one of two effects. I usually think with Venus, you might have someone who has something in common with you. 
And with that said, um, you might attract someone who has something in common, but again, they're kind of one-upping you in order to get ahead while you suffer. You know, while um, you're kind of still climbing the ropes, they want to make sure that they're climbing ahead of you and, you know, making sure you're knocked off the ropes, so to speak. So, um, yeah, like I said, I thought that that was really quite interesting as well. Um, the 12th house. So now getting into secret enemy territory. So when it comes down to secret enemies, usually it's the 12th house and Neptune, the ruler of the 12th house that rules secret enemies. Now, again, we always think of, you know, 12th house is ruled by Pisces and Pisces, the same as Libra, you know, they're very compassionate they love love. I mean, I think Cynthia Bailey um, said it the best um, in The Real Housewives of Atlanta. She's a Pisces. She loves love. She loves it when people get along. She loves it when there's peace and harmony and less drama in the group. Uh, and a lot of Pisceans are like that as well. Um, some to where the, I almost am convinced they engage in toxic positivity. However, speaking of toxic positivity... The shadow side of Pisces, usually, yeah, they're engaging in toxic positivity. Sometimes they're condemning people or looking down at people because of the rosy colored glasses that they've put on. And they don't, you know, they treat others when they try and knock the rosy colored glasses off. They look down and scorn um, on that person. And I think when they're using toxic positivity to look down on people and to condemn people, in their shadow self. Um, that's where I feel like, again, they are opening up a strife for enemy um, territory as well. Now, as I've, I'm going to just say this, I've said this before in other episodes, but I think I'll say it again. Um, I know I mentioned the shadow side of Libra, and I've now mentioned the shadow side of Pisces. I just want to say to all you Librans and Pisces out there, this is not to condemn you or say that your sign is bad. It is not. You know, as with all signs, we all have a um, positive side as well as we have a shadow side. And again, just kind of sharing how this shadow side of the archetypes of both Libra and Pisces can help us to shed some light on enemies. You know, why they're, why the particular houses associated, um, are associated with when it comes to enemies. But, uh, you know, when it comes to secret enemies, normally, again, if um, somebody's ascendant is floating right outside your 12th house, danger, danger, Will Robinson. <laughs> the other situation, again, those those four planets that I've mentioned earlier, and the four planets are, again, um, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Um, if they're lurking outside of that 12th house, you got a secret enemy on your, on your hands, big time. Um, and I would say definitely be aware, be, you know, be very aware of that. Um, and again, um, secret enemies, very different from open enemies in astrology. So secret enemies, usually if their ascendant is hitting right outside your 12th house, Normally, secret enemies have the same interests, or again, they might, um, in the 12th house, they might be really buddy-buddy with you. Um, you know, this is just from my experience with dealing with a lot of secret enemies, but, you know, or you, it can be an amalgam that can be a combination of both um, the buddy-buddy and also having a lot of interests to you. Um, normally they're going to try to befriend you and it's going to feel like an instantaneous attraction to each other, uh, possibly because of that commonality that you have. However, this person secretly does, you know, again, what this indicates with the 12th house is they secretly don't like you and, or they, or they're secretly really envious of you. And what they're going to do in turn is use that friendliness and use that kindness again to kind of 
get wind of your secrets, get wind of things that you don't want the boss to know, or get you know wind of things that you don't want your spouse to know, or that you don't want anyone to know, and they're going to use that against you. Um, again, secret enemies are the worst because they're, they're that they're sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. But yeah, if somebody has any sort, I would even go so far as to say, if somebody even has Mars outside your 12th house, um, or any sort of aspects whatsoever, beware, because again, that is secret enemy territory. I'd say with the personal planets, not so much, because I think the personal planets shed a little bit of a kinder light. Um, I think with the personal planets, it, you know, they're faster to highlight who this person is. I think what really makes a true secret enemy, though, is having those generational planets or the ascendant right there, because it just makes it a little like there's a more of a sneak attack um, as to what happens. Again, the same thing as with Neptune. Neptune and where it is placed in your chart also indicates secret enemies. If that person also has any sort of either squares to the outer generational planets or the outer generational planets near your Neptune placement, good chance that person's going to be a secret enemy as well. And this person's probably going to prey on how you dream and how you, how you go about your goals as well, too. So that's a little bit of background. And again, I, I remembered reading about the seventh and twelfth houses of secret and open enemies, but now I'm like fully coming back and understanding it in full. I didn't really, I was like, hmm, this is interesting, but really didn't quite understand it with Astrology 101. So um, there's that background. Um, so that's what looks like in the Sinistry chart. Um, kind of going a little more in depth. So I um, would like to say that, you know, usually the best way to take care of an enemy via astrology, a um, lot of sources have, have actually mentioned that it's like, take a look at the placements of your seventh house, of your Venus placement, your 12th house, as well as your Neptune's placement. And I really um, find this to be interesting. It seems like astrology's answer to how do we handle an enemy constructively is taking a look at you and how you handle things as opposed to taking the typical way out, which is that's their problem. I don't know what their problem is, but that's their problem. I'm, I'm separate from my enemy or I'm separate from the person who claim, who became my enemy, which actually that's where I feel like when we call enemies and when we divide, when we say, Oh, that's that person's problem. That's where I feel like we divide ourselves that much more and we create more of a rift. So really, um, if you do identify an enemy or you do spot an enemy or you have like either an open or secret enemy, one thing that you can actually do is take a look at which sign your seventh house is in and see how that might affect how you come across when it comes to open enemies. You know, what might actually turn somebody who is a friend um, into you know how, what might just annoy this friend so much as to claim that you're their enemy or that they act like an enemy to you openly. Um, for example, if somebody has, say, their seventh house in Aries, for instance, they have a naive personality about them or they might have some naivete in their personality, not really realizing it because again, this is another, this is kind of like an inner house in your chart. But um, they also may be just a little bit ignorant or maybe too quick to call something out. You know, like for example, um, somebody who might have Aries in the seventh house might be like, oh man, somebody who's homeless, they're a bum and they need to go get a job instead of recognizing the broader perspectives of how hard it would be to get a job if you've been homeless or homeless and also um, neglecting to see that there are also outreach programs that um, individuals who are homeless can go through to kind of climb up and get back onto their feet. But um, with this person who has the seventh house in Aries, 
they may find that their open enemies are usually even more ignorant and even more um, arrogant than they can be sometimes. And, um, you know, they can kind of, I mean, after a while, it's like they, they kind of see that person. They can either call out their hypocrisy or call out who they really are. And um, I also think, too, with somebody who has an Aries, you know, seventh house in Aries, um, that person, too, in turn, would probably call them out as well. And that could foster the open enemy ship as well. Now, while this person may have a naive, maybe a little bit of an, um, you know, very broad or like a very narrow viewpoint, again, um, how they come across because the seventh house is very different from us. It's very opposite. This person may, um, try to be very polite or they might try to curb that broad, that narrow minded viewpoint, especially of the homeless down. And they might be prim and polite and proper, but they've, they actually attract those who aren't and bring out that side of them. Um, and that can foster that open enemy ship. Likely too, if, um, you know, like with Venus, we can kind of recognize how exactly we relate to people and what, uh, you know, indeed in that relation, when it comes to open enemies, kind of not only attracts open enemies to us, but maybe things we can kind of maybe like, kind of like with the seventh house, maybe kind of maybe transform um, is what I also see um, within how to constructively deal with enemies. So for example, say your Venus is happen happens to be in Virgo. Um, first off, you're very hardworking. Secondly, you kind of hold people at arm's length distance and you're very suspicious of people and you kind of like to keep people at a distance and take your time getting to know them instead of just allowing them to approach you all of a sudden. That distance can seem as coldness on your part. I speak from experience. I have uh, Venus in Virgo. It was actually retrograde in Virgo. So it may seem very cold. It may seem very, um, and you know, kind of like you're trying to foster enemy territory by holding somebody at arm's length, more than arm's length worth of distance away from you. However, this is a great time to maybe find some warmth um, and, you know, really try maybe doing the opposite, like maybe um, relating to those that you really aren't relating to very well, but maybe seeing their flaws as being human and maybe try to, you know, relate and revamp your relation with that person by approaching it as, hey, they're being human. I've had human moments myself and maybe fostering some compassion. I'd say maybe even fostering some compassion for the open enemy, you know, and also seeing this person's human. Um, maybe they're claiming enemy because they're trying to get ahead or they're claiming that I'm their enemy because they're jealous. And, you know, I've been there before. And maybe just, you know, kind of coming to an understanding of where they're coming from. But by the same token, maybe um, kind of distancing yourself a little bit as well, too. You know, you know, don't neglect, you know, the usual stances of distancing yourself from your enemy, but maybe revamping parts of your personality. Uh, for the individual who had the seventh house in Aries, you know, maybe she might want, that person might want to you know, make sure that any broad viewpoints are actually met with more um, enlightened viewpoints, which, like I mentioned earlier, normally that person would probably curb that part of themselves, the narrow-minded, very naive viewpoint with maybe the more um, refined versions of Libra, of their Libra and Ascendant. However, I think they might want to refine, you know, they still might want to, while they're curbing it, also enlighten that side of themselves a little bit more so that they're maybe not attracting ignorant people to them. Or like with Venus and Virgo, they're not attracting people who want to either not work or not work as hard or who they need to have attention all the time. You know, if they kind of um, 
you know, kind of see the humanity in that person, but yet also, you know, still stick to being hardworking, but kind of see the humanity in that person, kind of meet it with a bit of distant compassion, that might actually help to deal with the open enemy a bit better than if you were to just say, hey, let's go to war, which we usually do with enemies. Secret enemies is a little bit trickier, but again, um, you know, learning the sign that your 12th house happens to occupy and also where Neptune happens to hit that the house and also the sign that it happens to hit can also give you some pointers, not only as to where you can spot enemies, but also um, maybe again, how to refine yourself when you deal with especially secret enemies or secret enemy. Secret enemy, I do have to say, takes a little bit more work when it comes to dealing with them constructively because of their, you know, very secretive backstabbing nature. But um, one thing, again, continue to not divulge in secrets, um, really like keep your secrets to yourself, keep your goals and ambitions to you. And, um, you know, really just don't share as much with this person as much as you possibly can. Now, this is a little easier said than done. Yeah, you know, I know um, I've been through, <laughs> been through these things, but yeah, really try not to divulge as much as possible. Um, but I would say with your 12th house, you know, again, somebody who might say have a 12th house in Scorpio, for instance, that person might have a side of them where they like to probe. They like to get to the nitty gritty truth of everything. And they also find themselves wanting loyalty. And yet that secret enemy obviously is not, you know, breaks that loyalty, breaks that trust and makes that suspicious nature of Scorpio come out in that person. Maybe instead of getting super suspicious, maybe using the probing nature to see again, um, like where I mentioned with open enemies to see the compassion, you know, kind of seeing a compassionate side to this person that, yeah, they're human, even though they're not going about things the right way, that they're human and maybe finding every single thing that is human about them to maybe have a little bit of a tender compassion in your heart in dealing with them, I think would be a good way to go about it. But I think in revamping the personality with Scorpio, I'd say um, the probing nature is really good with Scorpio. So keep that, but maybe don't expect loyalty all the time and don't expect blind trust because not everybody is... Um, you know, really willing to give loyalty and not everybody is really loyal when you give loyalty in turn. Not everyone is, is trustworthy and maybe kind of just having that being recognized. Um, also with Neptune, like say somebody has Neptune within Leo, that person may just, um, there's a part of that person, their dreams, their goals are centered on leadership um, they have that side of them where they, they like to be in charge. Um, again, that secret enemy wants to knock that person, you know, wants to knock you off that pedestal. So a way to deal with that is maybe, you know, finding ways to be in charge, but maybe being kind of like um, the king in measure for measure. Being in charge, but being behind the scenes. And when I say measure for measure, yes, I mean the bard, a.k.a. Shakespeare's play. You know, the the um, actual king hid behind the scenes. He was actually um, part of the commoners or he was dressed as a commoner, dressed as a peasant, just to see the inner workings of his government, which I thought was clever. I, I thought that was like a clever way of how to rule, but how to rule as a king in chess and not, well, actually king in chess is not the best analogy, but how to rule playing chess as opposed to how to rule playing checkers. But I would say for someone who has Neptune, maybe in Leo, maybe finding a way to be like the king in measure for measure, maybe finding a way to rule, but rule secretly, maybe to rule a little bit behind the scenes, you know, almost to where you're not on the radar of the secret enemy to where they're about ready to knock your pedestal down. 
and revamping that um, in turn. You know, with revamping the parts of your personality um, with enemies, not only do you throw the enemy off your scent and off your trail, but also I think you um, kind of adapt and you kind of become a fuller, richer person by trying to do something opposite and also kind of stretching yourself to go beyond your comfort zones that are dict- that are kind of designated within the houses of your chart. So I think it's um, it's a win-win either way around. Now, before we get into the charts, there's also one other way to root out your enemies or one other aspect to consider. So we have the seventh house for open enemies and Venus, your Venus placement for open enemies. Also, when it comes down to your seventh house, so like for the for instance, the person who has their seventh house in Aries, they want to take into consideration the ruler of Aries, which is Mars. They want to take a look into consideration in the sinistry chart if anyone has anything outside their natal Mars and also which house their natal Mars happens to be in. Um, it, you know, the ruler of the planet of your seventh house kind of roots out where your open enemies would lie. For instance, my, um, my seventh house is in Aquarius. So naturally, um, Aquarius it, ruler, that it would be um, Uranus as well as Saturn. So Saturn um, not only is in my third house, it's in Libra. So again, that would indicate enemies are usually prone to being friendly, friendly and pretending to keep the peace in order to open wage war on me. Um, also, they're very communicative. Our enemies could also display a sense of just being really chatty and really communicative, more so than I am. Um, they're just like the opposite of me. They're far more chatty. They're far more communicative than I am. And, you know, I think the communication is to hide the fact that communication, easy demeanor, or to hide the fact that they're actually jealous and they're actually willing to open war on me. Um, also for secret enemies, you can really root out a secret enemy by taking a look at the ruler, the ruling planet of the sign that happens to be your 12th house. For instance, the person who has Scorpio as their 12th house, they want to take a look at two plants because there's two plants that rule Scorpio. There's Mars and there's Pluto. And wherever the, where Mars and Pluto is located, either within sign or within house is going to, you know, indicate how that open enemy or how open enemies usually operate. Usually to be forewarned is to be for, actually to be forewarned, to be forearmed, as they say. But, uh, you know, for instance, if that person who has Scorpio, like say they have their fifth, their fifth house is where Mars is located. Normally that person, and say that fifth house um, is ruled by uh, cancer, for instance. That person who's their open enemy is going to display a level of caring and emotional compassion uh, far more than this this person might ever see. And on top of that, they're probably more likely to see secret enemies within the realm of dating or within the realm of friendships. Kind of like with Bridesmaids, with Kristen, or I forget her, the actor's name, but kind of like with the main character, there was another character who wanted to be the very best friend of the bride and so kind of went against the main character. I kind of feel like the Mars in the fifth house situation, the secret enemy, might operate exactly like that in a friendship group or that coworker who, you know, is kind of buddy, buddy only to find out about that promotion that you've been eyeing on and they steal it from you. Um, but also with Scorpio, there is Pluto, like say that this person has Pluto in cancer as well. Um, again, that just would indicate, you know, maybe like cancer and say cancer extends to the sixth house that would indicate that their open enemy can also be found primarily at work and that they're kind of, again, trying to steal promotions and trying to steal your thunder or within um, volunteer 
opportunities or any time in which that person could be serving the community. And also, too, I think with that secret enemy would be fair to say with the sixth house, sixth house rules, rules, uh, coworkers, the secret enemy might like, you know, try to pit your coworkers against you as well. So again, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. But I also say the rulers of both your 12th house and your seventh house are really um, those planetary rulers. They're going to also be very helpful um, with the synastry chart. And I would also say if there's any harsh planets like Mars, Pluto, Uranus, Saturn, Neptune, um, good chance those people are enemies as well. So like for, you know, for instance, the person of Scorpio in the 12th house, if that other, you know, maybe somebody might not have their Senate outside their 12th house, but they have harsh planets outside their Pluto placement or their Mars placement. That's where I would say, beware, that could also be a secret enemy, just in case. Um, I just thought that that was another interesting um, I know there's, there have been other, you know, there have been many astrologers that kind of go a little bit deeper into it. Um, you know, definitely it's all very interesting. And like I said, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. All right. So I am going to go ahead and explore two charts. These were two people that I knew personally and have known personally. Um, one chart's going to be that of an open enemy, and I'm going to just take a look and see if there are some patterns that I've discussed that kind of indicate that open enemy ship, and then the other with the secret enemy. So this first one is that of an open enemy, and this was someone I knew in high... Actually, this was someone I knew since I was a very young child, but our relationship really dissipated in high school when she thought it was so cool to spread a room around the school that my parents were controlling me. And it literally went viral around the school way before anything went viral, period. Um, this was the day before, days before, um, you know, YouTube. This was the day before, days before um, Instagram. This is back in 2000. How old I really am, yeah, and uh, yeah, she like spread this. Like I said, rumors would spread, would go viral in an, a day. They'd go all around the school in a day. So this is what this person did, and I kind of felt that was where we were over. <laughs> so um, looking at the chart, so her ascendant is actually floating around my fifth house, not my seventh house. So we're good there. However, taking a look at my seventh house, this person does have her Mars placement floating between sixth and seventh houses. So right there, I would say even if it's an in-between state, it's still in Aquarius, which does rule my seventh house. And that to me is an indication uh, danger, Will Robinson, this is an open enemy. And uh, if I had known astrology back then, it, it really would have helped me out a lot, especially when this person, again, this person displayed characteristics very, very opposite to me. Um, I was always kind of very quiet and very kept to myself. This person was like bubbly, a social butterfly. I mean, very charm. She could be very charming. She always wanted attention. I tended to make do without having the spotlight on me all the time. Um, she could not stand not being the center of attention for one minute. Um, so that's how she was very opposite to me. And like I said, um, in the days where she was starting to be very buddy-buddy with me, um, having this Mars placement, I think, would have given me a little bit of a heads up if I had known astrology a little bit better. Um, again, when it comes to Venus, uh, no indications there. She just has her sixth house outside my Venus placement. However, um, my seventh house, the ruler being Uranus and Saturn, um, that rules Aquarius. I would love to take a look at Uranus as well as Saturn. And lo and behold, with Uranus, she has her Uranus placement right outside mine. Now, while some astrologers say, well, that just makes, you know, that just kind of uh, states that you guys were, you know, kind of the same age. 
Um, again, this is where I say, this is where it's, it's an exception to that rule. Uranus is one of those planets where it's, it's enemy ship. And the reason why is that this person can suddenly pop into your life. And then just as suddenly as they popped into your life, they suddenly disappear. And with this person, um, I remembered she suddenly popped into my life in eighth grade. She was suddenly at the Denver School of the Arts. She was super bubbly with me. She liked me. She was, I was like the best friend ever, even though the whole world revolved totally around her and not really around me. But then a year later, I expressed my opinions. I expressed my truth at the beginning of the year. And whoop, suddenly she actually expressed a lot of animosity that I had to apologize for. I thought we were good until about whoop, 16 years old when she spread the rumor around the school. So Uranus usually indicates enemies who are very quick to pop into your life and then quick to move out of it. And they can do so in radical periods. With this person, whenever she wanted attention, she'd come and seek me. But then the moment that she had enough attention, she'd disappear. Um, and that's usually the case with Uranus. Uh, Saturn, it's usually this person is very restrictive uh, with you. You might have an idea and they try every which way to put you down. Or you might have several ideas and they're putting you down every single step of the way and just really trying to stunt your growth, trying to strangle you out by stunting your growth. Neptune, delusional. This person brings up the, the delusion that they're, they're on your side. And yet also by the same token, they can be delusional themselves. Pluto, the person wants to be cruel. Um, so yeah, so with that Aquarius, you know, Aquarius rulership with Uranus, Uranus with Uranus. So right there, that's a, that's a red flag. That person was definitely an instant, it was an open enemy. Now with also Aquarius, um, it was Saturn ruling that, well, lo and behold, looky here, we have both Pluto conjunct Saturn right outside my Saturn placement. Pluto and Saturn both are enemy planets. You know, even though this still can indicate that we're kind of the same generation, um, again, Pluto and Saturn being together outside my Saturn placement, again, I say that's open enemy. And yeah, this person was cruel, um, as indicated by Pluto. When she spread that rumor around the school about my parents, I was an only, I've been an only child and that was devastating, beyond devastating for me, um, especially at 16 years old. Not only that, but I was also going through generalized anxiety disorder and the beginnings of it. So that was beyond devastating. Um, and I thought that that was really cruel and really unusual punishment coming from her, knowing I did nothing from her. She was also really cruel in trying to convince two other childhood friends of mine that I had that I was spreading rumors about her or, you know, going behind her back and stating things that only she and her brother would know or she and her family would know, which I did not. And I felt that actually if she had confronted her paranoia with actual facts, you know, I was a homebody. How would I know about A, B, C, and D about her life? So, I mean, if she actually paired it with facts, I think she would have been far better off inside of herself, far less miserable, and not being guided into this delusional panic that she spread around the school. Also, we probably could have um, mended fences. You know, we probably could have spoken to each other, and we probably could have, you know, kind of gotten to the root of the problem and, and save the friendship. But as such, it, I can just see how much of a friend, how much this friendship meant to her. It meant nothing. It meant something one second, but it meant nothing the next second. And I'm sorry, when she was out of my life, it was for the best. I, I actually grew when she was out of my life because she was very toxic in that regard, cruel and toxic. And yeah, with Saturn's placement, she did try to hold me back. 
um, you know, she wanted to control me as to how she saw fit. She wanted me to dress as slutty as she was dressing. She wanted to, um, I think she maybe even wanted me to lose my virginity at that age because she did. And she wanted, you know, it, it was just a way to make her look good. Or the other reason why she spread the room around the school was because, you know, she wanted to look good, so therefore she wanted to restrict me and make me look bad in order to make herself look good. Again, weak-minded individual. I was better off without her in my life. However, how I constructively um, could have repaired and mended these fences, well, first off, um, not being so quiet, maybe being more vocal, maybe being as vocal as she was, and also being independent um, as well, too. Maybe sharing very independent views that I had at that time very openly. Um, also, another way to kind of, you know, catch her scent off my trail would have been really to not be so easygoing as indicated by my moon, Pluto, and Saturn in um, my third house in Libra, and just really kind of firm up and really express my boundaries a lot more than I did that. I did express my boundaries, but not as much as I really could have at that time. Um, I did look at my chart as well, too. My um, It looked like, um, well, actually, I thought it, I thought I would, my um, Mars placement was outside her 12th house. But nope, I was actually mistaken. Nothing there. So that is, uh, that was what, how, you know, actually that is how I came up to or how I assessed open enemies and what that looked like. Um, I'm going to get into a secret enemy. So stargazers, this person is actually someone who I used to work with in my current job. Um, and the way that I found out that she was a secret enemy was, again, I wanted a particular promotion. I mentioned that to my boss. I think it was even verbose to where she overheard it. Well, somehow she worked her way up to this boss to where she got it instead. And it was a massive, massive, I mean, it was a slap in the face and a punch in the gut. But um, kind of coming into the assessment, so her ascendant is actually outside my 11th house, actually. I thought it'd be outside my 12th house. Because it was in, it's in Cancer. Um, so, however, her first house kind of borders my 12th house. So, possibly some secret enemy goings on there. But her, it, because technically her Senate is not outside my 12th house, I'll rule that out. However, I'm going to also take a look at Neptune. Nothing in Neptune. But um, Cancer, my 12th house, is ruled by the moon, and I see Chiron right outside the moon. So um, right outside my moon's position. Chiron um, normally is not considered as with enemies. Um, it can be a tricky planet because it's the wounds. Um, I think really my Pluto-Saturn-Moon con uh, conjunction would indicate would be that Maybe I wouldn't be the best person to help her with the chironic wounds. Um, I might give her some like good insights into that, but it might be harsh insights more than what she wants to hear. And also, um, you know, my, delivered very strictly and stringently. And again, being more than really what she'd want to hear um, within a given time. But I would say with Chiron, possibly, possibly secret enemy material. Um, it's not uh, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto. Maybe, maybe. It's like if her wounds are open, um, that's where I would probably see a little bit of secret enemy ship going on there. But again, I would say, uh, maybe so, maybe not so. You know, it's like it's a luck of the draw. It's like I would say with this situation, Take a look at where this person, maybe um, for me, what appeared to me as this person actually stole the promotion away from me. Maybe she was inadvertently unaware of this promotion. Maybe giving her the benefit of the doubt of maybe she was unaware of this promotion. And maybe it was my boss who instead 
gave it to her to try to break us apart because he is actually an open enemy in the, in the environment. He was for sure. Um, I'm just seeing also too, if there's anything, uh, with, you know, Neptune and also since Neptune is in Sagittarius, maybe if there might be something outside of Jupiter, my Jupiter placement, she does have her Pluto placement outside my Jupiter conjunct, um, Uranus placement. So because uh, the way that I figured this was that my Neptune placement is in Sagittarius. The ruler of Sagittarius is um, Jupiter. So with that said, she does have Pluto outside of there. So maybe that benefit of the doubt might not be so much of a benefit of the doubt. Maybe she's been playing innocent. And yeah, um, right outside my Jupiter placement as well as Uranus. So that's not, again, maybe being cruel by playing innocent and playing dumb with the, the situation at hand. Now, stargazers, I know this is a lot of dizzying information. Um, I would just say if you really want to get the basics right out of it, um, again, seventh house for open enemies, Venus position um, for open enemies, 12th house for secret enemies, and Neptune for secret enemies um, within this within this podcast as well. And I think another note, how do we also survive the others? You know, so another way in which we can survive or another way which we can deal with our enemies constructively, look toward, look where your um, Mars placement happens to be and also your first house and uh, what that happens to be. Since Mars represents our willpower and our first house represents ourselves. Through those archetypes of the signs in which those guys appear and in which houses they appear, that will give you your strengths of how to deal with that person effectively and also deal with that person who's being an enemy constructively. For me, my Mars position is actually 29 degrees Cancer. It's in my 12th house, so that of secret enemies. Um, however, being in cancer and the cancer Leo cusp, maybe not being so nice to the enemy, maybe just not being so nice, period, and being prone to uh, just maybe be more prone to say saying it as it is and not sugarcoat it. Um, my first house, taking charge of the situation. If something's not right, take action immediately. And um, regain my rulership, regain my regalness, um, or to regain my sense, my shred of dignity in that in those situations. And again, you know, it doesn't mean be mean. It's just you know, like, especially with you know, say it as it is, no, no ounce of sugar. Um, you know, not being mean and awful, but really maybe just kind of being more truthful. Um, again, constructively truthful uh, with people and also, again, being constructively regal, not being a dictator, but regaining my dignity and moving effectively, you know, uh, kind of moving as, as should be within situations where an enemy is detected. I think that's like the best, best that I can really come up with at this point. But anyway, Stargazers... I hope that this this was as fun and as informative for you as it was for me. Strangely enough, it was a fun episode to prepare as well as it was enjoyable to record. So I hope it's the same for you. Above all, Stargazers, um, please feel free to, uh, I would just say, feel free to look up at the stars where the origins of astrology started with the constellations there's a lot to see up there. And I would also say more than that, it kind of gives us a nice little break from this retrograde parade and all the stuff it's brought out in everybody and all the stuff that it just brings out in life, period. It's like, whoa. <laughs> but above all, Stargazers, I think what's most important foremost 
is that you guys remain healthy and you guys remain safe, especially with drivers on the road. They're getting crazy with this um, you know, Mercury retrograde position in Virgo. It's almost over. We're almost to that finish line. Um, and with that said, I really do hope that your health is up and that you guys are nice and well. And between now and next week, I will talk to you then. If you have any questions or comments for Sandra Misek, you can contact her at Misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com. On her Instagram page at Misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra. Actually, I think it was just the opposite. It's Sandra dot Misek, M-I-S-E-K. Also, for as little as $2 a month, you, be- you can become a Patreon to this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash 7th house astrology for more details.